Well, I have to have a bottle of muscle guys? relaxant. Okay. Yeah, I know. My back hurts. Muscle relaxants. Stop complaining. We're at the Our age where we're getting good. old. Our life's pretty good. It's Between particularly... the three of us, we're like, what, 157 years oh, of yeah. age? It's maybe 200. <laughs> so it's particularly good right now because we have a, a great case in which a false accuser was convicted and held to account for what is actually a crime. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, Michael, you grabbed a hold of this one, so why don't you do the lead-in? But this is... This is great. This is from last year. Yeah, I've been tracking this one for a while because I've uh, had some chats with the people involved in the case. It's this is crazy. We're going to be very careful. We're yes. not going to mention names. No because, names. Um, no names. People have suffered enough on this, but this is particularly the formerly accused, now the victim of the crime. Right. Yes. The male person is the actual victim of this crime. So basically, it's your standard uh, he says, she says domestic, where, of course, she uh, had her ex charged multiple times um, with criminal harassment, uttering threats, and then failing to comply with his bail. So so this guy spent considerable time in jail, I think six or seven days in jail, all told. I which think it's about four days. Four days, okay. It's the equivalent of six. In the equivalent end. of six yeah. when you do the math. The yeah, so there was some sort of a relationship yes. between... Uh, the accused in this case now it's under dispute actually because he says they weren't actually in a romantic relationship they were just intimate a couple yeah of so there was there was some sort of relationship some relationship yeah between this female and this male and um when that whatever that relationship was uh broke down she decided to go to the police and complain about his uh, harassing and criminal behavior so this poor fellow was charged with three separate uh, allegations, and as you said, the first one was what criminal harassment. Yeah, yeah, which is the equivalent of stalking for people right. who aren't familiar. But with there the were term. a total of eleven reports made, three of which led to these separate charges: criminal harassment, uttering threats, and failed to comply with a release order. She was quite persistent because he kept getting arrested and then getting right. rearrested, right. yeah, even so though he was not actually contacting her. Right. No. So we got to set up the facts. So, so on the first one, he was released. The same day the second one he was spent a night in custody before being released and then on the third one which was the fail to comply he was held uh, for a bail hearing which was a contested bail hearing and um, I believe that one was the one that involved um, messages that allegedly he sent to her right. in breach of his release order so that was about a sort so allegedly <laughs> there's so much in this I know. so she alleged that he sent messages from his phone right. to her in breach of the order and was further type of and harassing behavior. And she produced behavior. messages. Right. She had so-called evidence. she produced the messages. This is very important. Yes. <laughs> she produced the messages that came from his phone. Okay? Yeah. Came from his phone. This is going to be a good one. This is. So this poor guy had to be in custody and have a contested bail hearing. And the, he got out because he had his girlfriend at the time testify at the hearing his actual girlfriend his real girl his real girlfriend <laughs> not pretend that at the material times that these messages were sent he had not been in possession of any device capable of sending messages alibi so it was she's like not only was he with her but right. he actually didn't even have a cell phone with him right or or an ipad or whatever whatever yeah the might have been a condition of his previous release even so he was able to get out on bail yeah take it from there well, this. Well, <laughs> what ha what did she do next? Surprisingly, well, no, this surprisingly. surprisingly led to the police deciding to investigate where these messages came from. No, right. Not, not right away. 
Okay. No, no. Let, let this 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 gets even better. Okay. Go go. You love this case. Oh uh, yeah. I. <laughs> you know. So after his third, uh, third charge and release, the complainant. So this this female made further complaints to the police. She alleged more text messages had been sent to her and her sister. The context of these messages suggested that 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 the uh, the poor guy was stalking her at her workplace. Now, God bless the police on this one. Oh, yeah. Something went off in their head, and they go, okay, so they actually did something that police should be doing. Imagine. What is that? An investigation. Investigation. Let's go directly from the case. What did they do? They had to get they had to get permission, order. a production order, to, to actually find out who the owner of the phone number was. Well, that, but that's, that's what you do in an investigation. So the police... Take it away. This yeah, is court time, though, and yeah, this yeah. goes against her in the end. How much resources? Oh were yeah, spent on this? they had to get. But a, let's they, lay this out. Like this they got a production order for the records, and not only that, IP address information, and they 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 determined after this investigation that she had actually. I, I love this. She she's something else. She had set up uh, some telecom service called Pinger. Never heard of it. She had set up a new phone number or a number in his name and was sending the messages to herself from him. Like mm-hmm. That's pretty... To make it appear like it was from him. Specifically got a cell phone number right. in this poor guy's name through this telecom provider. She constructed these messages and sent them to herself right. to frame this poor fellow for criminal charges. And why? Because she felt the police had not adequately responded to her complaints. That's right. And the police traced the IP addresses back to her mother's residence and a shelter where she had been staying because of alleged complaints of what this guy was allegedly doing. That, that is to a level of crazy. She's in a shelter for abuse that wasn't actually taking place when she was actually sending herself the harassing messages. It is disturbing. And, and, and I think that's important to just stop for a moment and think about how crazy this can get. Because you would think that her presence in a shelter would validate that she was being stalked and abused in some way. Right. But in fact, all of it was fake. Yeah. We have to deconstruct this, okay? So, so the police charge her with public mischief. Mm-hmm. And, well, good for her. She admits it. Yeah. She fabricated, there's that word, fabricated everything, but did say that she was unhappy with the way the police responded to her other complaints. And as you'll hear later on, Ash's being, uh, does something called a pre-sentence report, was still complaining about his controlling and otherwise uh, harassing behavior. Okay, but she at least admits the, the falsities of these allegations. So let's think about this, okay? So... When once in a blue moon, we, we put something out on social media over Twitter and say, well, we were successful today. A client was exonerated. There was a false allegation in one case of sexual assault. And I get dumped on by a number of, of lawyers and other people to say that I'm, I'm spreading a myth that there's no such thing as false allegations, that a female would never make an allegation of sexual assault. That was probably just down the road for this complainant to make right. yet another complaint. And... And it's not a leap to say, well, they wouldn't lie about sex assault. They'll only lie about every other thing. Right. Right? This was a premeditated, well-planned, constructed, determined effort 
to ruin this poor man's life. Much like that poor... Uh, British case we did? No, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, is he a football player or a baseball player in the United States? Is he with the Dodgers? I think football, no? Oh, um, oh he went on social media because he was specifically targeted. Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Right. He's pr- baseball? Uh, I'm sorry, Trevor. I, I I do follow baseball, but it just it just tripped my slipped my mind. His career was f-ing completely blown out, um, and he had been specifically targeted uh, because of his you know wealth at the time and and his notoriety and everything else. This is the same. Well, this, this guy this, this, this guy this is, financial. You read what is, what happened to that? He explains in his victim impact statement. This is page five. Uh, he suffered financial consequences from lost work for a period of a couple of months. It's a lot of money for the average person this day. Never mind the health, emotional. Health consequences from the stress, psychological harm, and obviously reputational harm. You don't get that stuff back that easy. And being, as he said, yeah. being held in custody during COVID. He was in custody. And, and had it not been for his girlfriend at the time to testify... Right. The, the judge in the sentence said... Or give said, evidence to the police that right. she that he had an alibi. She didn't have to test it. We didn't go that far, is my understanding. But In order to get on bail... Oh, testified at his bail testified hearing. Testified at okay. his bail hearing right. because the, the, the judge sentencing here said, I can read between the lines, he probably would not have gotten out on bail right. on this third charge right. sure. if not for this evidence that's essentially an alibi. So think about that. Can I read a little segment here? No, but just wait. Just think about that. What if he didn't have that evidence? It's rare. And is detained in custody. <laughs> For months. So then she doesn't need to send the other fabricated messages because her goal has been met. He's now in jail. Yeah. Just think about that for a moment. There's language. In why the- should the police, I'm sorry, why should the police, whenever messages are sent, allegedly harassment or whatever, why should they not be investigated? Exactly. Why should the police not obtain something more than a goddamn screenshot right or embed it in Which some occurrence get report complainants to take they don't even take the screenshots themselves right it is so easy now right to get a phone number and attribute it to another individual There's a bunch of different you can numbers. clone phone numbers yeah. you can create it through other telecoms you can do all sorts of things apps apps there's even apps you can create there is an absolute need now not to take it first blush unless there's a fairly con- convincing evidence of a real thread of messages where you can you can honestly say that that is a message from from the accused they need to re- investigate this because just imagine he didn't have that and he'd be in custody yeah, yeah sorry go ahead talk well was... the police have the ability to look into these phone numbers where the accused doesn't have the ability as easily to do the same thing they can if they have the resources but not everybody but not does even, not no. even. how would he find how, out how? You, it's hard to get an or, a court order for right. Just production. he would literally have to go get a third-party records right. application right. to try and f- trace the IP address. Good, good luck. luck with good this. luck with that. Yeah. The police get a production order. They have resources. Uh, yeah. He would not have it. No way. Even we would have a challenge to get yeah. that. Yeah. And it's it's a good reminder, I think, for the police and for people going to court too, that just because messages are produced, screenshots of the messages are produced, doesn't, doesn't actually real. mean yeah. doesn't actually mean that uh, that there's any merit to them. That's or right, that, or that they're real. Yeah. Just today, we're arguing about a message that our client allegedly had sent two, three years ago, and I'm saying to the Crown, in the midst of the argument that we're having in court, I don't have the text message. 
Well, it's right here on page 43 of your disclosure. Oh. It's in the incurrence report. And I said, and I, and I said very nicely, I, I realize it's in the occurrence report, but can I please have the actual text message? With the right. metadata. With the metadata, yeah. please. But even so, this is a situation in that case where the complainant was living in the same house and had access to the person's phone. So there's nothing right. to stop them from sending a message to 100%, themselves. 100%, 100%. I mean, phone. people, you know, they don't have, they, they know each other's passwords or it's not right. password protected or whatever. And so you can easily go on the phone when somebody's in a shower or whatever and send a message to yourself. I have, there's some wording in this message, in, in this decision yeah. that really makes me happy and I just want to read it yeah, in. Yeah, okay. please do. Highlight. Her willingness to manipulate the justice system to serve her own ends has harmed the administration of justice, the community which depends upon it, and every woman who comes forward with a legitimate complaint of intimate partner violence. Parliament has recognized that women in uh, the, sorry, my, my glasses, in these contexts are inherently vulnerable. This is the reality, notwithstanding that the, uh, the accused and convicted may have believed in her own mind at the time that she was justified in her actions. This woman cried wolf. In doing so, she created the risk that her conduct may undermine the credibility of every victim of domestic violence who comes forward in the future with a complaint for investigation to police. That is so important. And this is something that I've mentioned over and over again. When we find evidence of these complainants who have lied mm -hmm. and provably lied, and then in this case actually get convicted for making a false report, yeah. there needs to be an appropriate reaction by advocates to recognize what that means to their own cause. Yeah, okay, yeah. Six months And the wording in here, the wording in here, I think was perfectly Oh yeah. Well, as I said, you have to, taking this into consideration, the judge noted, I know I'm being repetitive, these acts were premeditated. They were not the result of a momentary lapse of judgment or sudden passionate impulse, which we see in many cases. These acts were carefully thought out. It took time, effort, and some degree of sophistication to set up this phone line in a name and disguise it in connection to her. And her acts were repeated time and again. They consumed valuable police and court resources. The police and courts are always strapped for resources and have been under particular strain during the pandemic on and on and on. Yeah. And, and the point that you raise is very important. Yeah. This does harm those who come forward with le legitimate allegations. But we're leaving that aside. Where's the rape myth is my question. Where's the rape myth in, in this case? She did lie right. and we would be accused of engaging in rape myths for saying that women lie about rape. Yeah. You know? And that, oh, we're saying she's a scorned lover. We've had that before. We were told that we couldn't argue in, in, in defense that somebody was a scorned lover because that's a rape myth. She was a scorned lover, right. wannabe lover, right? who then created her own stalking scenario. All of that, I'm sure they could come up with about three or four different rape myths that we're supposedly engaging in, when in fact, not only did she do it, she pled guilty to it because it happens. We have to walk around with this case in hand Anytime we go to court and they want to say it's a myth and we're just right. going to go, sorry, it happens. Here it is. Hand it up. And the other cases, they judge references here, there's false rape allegations against a police officer. I think we covered this case. We did, but let, let's, let's, yeah, because, you know, let's deconstruct that. Let's go into that one too for a moment. 
So that one was an Alberta Court of Appeal case, Ambrose, 2000, ABCA 264. And basically, again, I love the quote, offenses against the administration of justice have great potential to be serious because they pervert the whole regulating system for behavior of everyone in Canada. So the majority here held that a jail sentence as opposed to a conditional sentence was needed <coughs> on the facts to achieve deterrence and denunciation. A total sentence of two years with some reduction for pre-custody sent time was imposed for a false allegation of rape against a police officer. So two years, not insubstantial. Insubstantial. Yeah, so like, again, um, it happens. And and we, we, you know, we go back to an episode, people lie. Mm -hmm. People lie. But also, like you know, we've kind of made, tried to make people aware of, because this is very common when people are falsely accused, the first thing that's on their mind is, what happens to her? Yeah. Right? And the reality is, this is a very rare case. That Th normally, this is extremely rare. It no is. Normally nothing happens to them. And in this, no. in this particular case, there was solid hard evidence we, we were able to establish in a case we did that somebody falsified a marriage certificate yeah. which is an offense under the marriage act they no interest in charging they paid an officiant to sign a false certificate they had to their, use that they certificate. had a brother and a 17 year old sign it was a fraud yeah, and that was designed in order to help her get money in family court when she wasn't wow. entitled to it. Because if you're legally married, then you might have a shot at the assets. Right. We proved that. It was found by the judge. To have been falsified. And nothing happened. Nothing happened to her. So that's that's one of the things, I think, to, to not get people too excited about this case, even though it's exciting that there is some great language from the judge and a great finding. Um, and, and great police work that was done in this particular case that uh, at the same time that they shouldn't hold their hopes too high that there is a fairly serious mandate to prosecute cases and the evidence has to be extremely strong. Yeah, but this evidence was not hard to get. That's that's the frustrating part. As Like, this isn't rocket science. This isn't DNA. This isn't forensic. If it's, you, you want to, in a fraud case, put in banking records in part of the prosecution. As a, a victim of fraud, you have to provide the police with actual banking records, verifiable banking records. And in order to prove the case, the police will often serve production orders on banks, on the accused account, and, and sometimes on the victim's account in order to get the full history. And, and they'll do other investigations. And what they're going to put forward is a proper forensic review of everything that happened in fact you have very talented police officers who are basically like forensic investigators but in a case of sexual assault or domestic violence where sentences are increasing more and more where sentences can eclipse that in a fraud case you know a million dollar fraud if it's a breach of trust may get you a year or two in jail well sex assault can get you three to five right depending upon the facts or more mm -hmm. but there is not an effort made to secure the actual, actual messages. When it's available, I mean, it's pretty clear. It's available. It's available. So it's not. The whole, the whole charge was based on messages and there was right. originally no investigation into, you know, verifying the source of them. I get that, you know, trying to execute 
you know, a production order on, on, on WhatsApp or, you know, some of these other... Offshore ones. Yeah, it's it hard. is not easy. No. But we have in a lot of our cases that these are messages local, on the cell phone. Local, yeah. Yeah. I think we can't expect from this that in other cases where there will be pretty solid evidence that the complainant has fabricated or lied, that in fact they'll be investigated and charged. But I hope something comes from this, that there's cause for pause. Yeah, people make false allegations. There are reasons for that. And, and we got to come back to what you said. We've had it tried to be shoved down our throat that a scorned woman will not lie about offenses. It's a myth I hear. It's a myth. <laughs> that it's a myth that they lie about sex assault. In this case, yes, it's domestic related, but it's pretty bad. I, I just, I, it shouldn't be that hard that we just say it's a criminal justice system. We have due process. We can't hashtag believe. We have to get evidence. And then we have to let the system play out. And once you have the evidence, then you can go forward. No problem. This goes back to as well, we like to try and keep repeating, which is that the evidence of a complainant, yeah, okay, you can take it seriously, although it should be investigated. But you also should take the evidence of an accused seriously. That you can't just, uh, and that seems to be the thing, is like, we it's encounter this all the time. It doesn't matter what he's saying because she right. said blah. Investigation and, stops, yeah. You know, and, and even going into trial, we get that attitude. And, you know, the, the accused deserves a voice. And also we have to remember, you know, it is traumatizing for people who really experience these types of crimes. But there's another type of crime, and it's very traumatic for an accused person to be falsely accused. It's bad for everybody. Yeah. Real victims suffer real harm. That includes people who are falsely accused. Right. And, and we've said this all the time. When somebody's charged, it's life-altering. In this case, this, this gentleman also had been in a divorce. So his former ex tried to use these allegations against him in the family court. We see that all the time, right? It's the playbook. But, you know, when we just relate this for a moment to cases that we handle, it, there are so many motives to fabricate that we uncover. Some so of them, many. including that the complainant doesn't even know why she lied. Right. <laughs> that's one of that's one of the leading reasons. So. And 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 good evidence that we're able to uncover and prove at court through cross examination, and also through our client. So your point about that there has to be value placed in accused evidence, I think, is extremely important, and I think it bears some other a little bit of emphasis here. In cases that we have, and when we're bringing these motions, the 276, 278 motions, sometimes we're faced with arguments, and sometimes from the bench, that, well, the accused evidence is the accused evidence. No, no, no. Some evidence that we want to have admitted on these applications is relevant to the coherence of our client's testimony. Mm -hmm. That must be given weight. You don't just, that's the accused evidence. It, it's right. almost a presumption of guilt. We've always said there is, but it's palpable. Same thing with all oh, the accused privacy rights. Right. right. The complainant could take the exact same text messages right. and put them into evidence through the Crown without any application or any right. question. But the exact same messages, even though they might match ones that are provided by the complainant, mm -hmm. but there's a few missing ones that they want to fill in, right? We have to get permission to use them in court and they're presumptively inadmissible right. if you're the accused person. So the accused person's privacy rights don't matter when the Crown has the evidence. 
but the complainants privacy rights oh well let's let's make sure we go to stage two and give them a lawyer and all this other stuff for free or in like the case you had when there's messages that actually can be helpful Right. That the crown has, and they disclose. Then they decide, oh, maybe we shouldn't have given out because Oop, we, we weren't able to waive the privacy interest. So give them back, and let's yeah. argue it out on a motion. Yeah. Changed our mind. Yeah, I mean, it, it, mind. it is you know, and, and and again, you know, there's lots of crown attorneys that we deal with who do a very good job and are very honorable. Yeah. And 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 frankly, have made our applications you know much much easier. They generally do their job, which is to seek the truth, not yeah. to seek conviction. Right. But, generally, but, but yeah. there is this overwhelming presumption. And there is this dismissal of really the importance of the accused evidence and that an accused can be innocent. It's just there. It's palpable. Because this poor man could have been held in custody if he didn't have that evidence. For a lot longer, because he was held in custody. And this may never have been discovered. Mm. Right. He might have been there, have to bring a bail review 90 days later, maybe get out because he's done enough time for the alleged offenses. Who knows what would have happened? But... If convicted, this would have been a wrongful conviction, a fraud perpetrated on the court that would never be discovered. Can we imagine how many other times this has not been caught because there was not investigations into what the evidence was? And that's why when we have cases that are he said, she said, are so challenging because those are cases where the standard of reasonable doubt has got to be really high, right? It doesn't have to be 100% perfection, but pretty darn close. What is that, star? Yeah, it's got to be up Regina there. versus yeah. Star, yeah. right? You know, it's got to be pretty high, and they got to hold on to it. And that's why this WD analysis absolutely cannot be watered down by that f***ing decision, JJRD. I f***ing hate that case, and when people bring it up to me, it's just garbage. It's absolute garbage, because I know in other jurisdictions like British Columbia, on a WD analysis, they almost have a fourth prong, right. which is like, you know, we're going to have to just explain for a moment. WD. You gotta, so, sorry. You got to explain both cases. W, so WD. Checking my pulse. Yeah, w, yeah. WD sets a, a standard to make sure that the reasonable doubt standard is upheld. There's a, basically it's three pronged in the way it was originally formulated. Although well, there's been some improvements, I think. by Pacheco. Yeah. Pacheco. 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 Judge, just I know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, number no, one is, he wrote an excellent if you, if you believe paper. the accused evidence, then you must acquit. If you don't believe the accused evidence, but it raises a reasonable doubt, then you must acquit. If you don't believe the accused and it doesn't raise a reasonable doubt, you still have to look at the whole of the, evidence, of the evidence to make sure that the Crown met the burden of proof. And here's a fourth one in BC. If it, they actually build it into their judgments. If you can't decide what happened, you must acquit. Yes, I know okay. that's... So just think about well, that Well, Pacheco kind of built that in, yeah. too. He, he, he did, because Can he I said say his it's name not... again? Pacheco. Yeah, it's not a contest. <laughs> it's not a contest where you have to dis- determine right. one or the other. But I can tell you not everybody, not, not every judge will adhere to that. Right. And when I hear this JJRD case, it drives me insane. Explain. So JJRD is a case from our Court of Appeal from 2014. Ontario Court of Appeal. Ontario Court of Appeal. 2014, where basically... There was nothing specifically wrong with the accused evidence. It was plausible. It, it was, was plausible. It was reasonable. Uh, they weren't necessarily uh, shaken on cross-examination. There was not really internal inconsistencies. But the complainant's evidence was so compelling. And in that case, there was a diary, which uh, it was a diary, sur- right? Had some you know, corroborating evidence, so circumstantial. Circumstantial evidence supported it. The, ju- the trial judge was able to accept the evidence of the complainant over that of the accused because it was so compelling. So that has been bastardized now into not simply meaning, well, there's some corroboration. So therefore, 
there was there was some corroboration that really assisted with preferring this evidence. That should never be used. How it's being argued is they're saying that you don't need corroborating evidence. You can simply just convict somebody because you accept the complainant's testimony. And that is precisely the thing they're not permitted to do. And that's what I heard in a case yeah. we just, just... We hear it all the time. Just last week where the argument was, well, I, Mr. Newberger, I thought that too, that there had to be something really compelling about the evidence. But I don't think that's the case anymore. And I'm like, well, what f***ing decision are you referring to? It's been actually, you know, because it has been misused, the JJRD case, there's actually been a number of decisions to try Flowing and dial that it. back to make sure the reasonable doubt stays in place. Yeah, so, so you I, just I, cannot I, simply pick between testimony. From now on, when we're doing these written submissions, I, you know, you used to, we didn't put in the whole litany. I'm putting in the whole litany of all of these subsequent cases that water down JJRD. But it's still out there like COVID, you know, like it's f***ing not going away. And, and it's, you know... We're kind of immune to it. You know, we can live with it. It's fine. We can work around it. It's okay. Everything's okay. But it comes back to bite you in the ass every so often. It should be just thrown away. To make it clear, the idea that that you would go and just choose between testimony and a he said, she said case goes directly against, you know, the reasonable doubt and burden of proof. It goes against the burden of proof that um, this is not a balance of probabilities. You can't just simply choose between testimony. It's not eeny, meeny, miny, so in JJRD, the reasons were very well articulated, and that's why the Court of Appeal upheld it. Well, it's Doherty, it. I think, who's lead on that, and he's a yeah. brilliant writer. And I don't disagree with why he upheld the judge's decision. What I disagree with is the use of that decision later on, where you don't have something compelling about the case, something else as an anchor to hang your hat on, that this is why this evidence is believable beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, we've kind of varied from, veered away from our original topic, but I, no, I no, think... No, but I'll bring it back for one second. It's That's how dangerous this all is i know so when you accept the fact when you when you when we as a system accept the fact that people do lie men and women that they may have other reasons to bring an accusation which is false then you step back and you go okay so we have to be uh, you know objective and do this analysis and give great weight to both sides and and analyze it carefully we don't just say that's the accused evidence and you know, there's uneven scrutiny. We can't do that. If we can get from this, because of the dangers in a he said, she said, if we can get from this, let's be cautious. Let's come back a little bit more to WD analysis and let's, let's really have the rigor necessary to analyze these cases. Then I think this is important and it's helpful. But if yeah. it's ignored, well, I think it's a good sort of like variation off where we started too, because it is so rare for for complainants to be charged and convicted right. of um, making a false complaint, and and it's really important for people to remember these cases are not simple to defend. So <laughs> God, where no. we went to from there is just basically just because somebody got charged and convicted of making a false complaint, do not go into this thinking, oh well, she's lying, therefore it's going to be easy. It is not easy. We, 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 we are taking in appeals mm-hmm. where it's it's horrific. Like, it's you know, people think, oh, it's okay. Like, I'm, I'm innocent. So I... I yeah. They the got truth no will set me free. Yeah. yeah. And then the then the jail cell is locked on you. Joseph Newberg will set you free. All right. All right. I, I could go on and on and on. Yes. Good night. Um, by the way... And Michael Burry will set you free because you're quite good as well. To our viewers, <laughs> thank you very much for viewing and sending your questions and your comments. So, um, I, what's the pillow say? Don't forget, Don't forget to, to like, like, comment, subscribe, and share. share. Good night. Thank you, everybody. Good night.